Um, I wanted to record this because I had a dream so profound last night in which I can only remember parts of. But it had to do with um, this very rational explanation of cognitive dissonance. And I even remember talking about the dream in the dream, (laughs) explaining it um, to my my co-author and really landing that this is all about just exposure of this cognitive dissonance that we live in and why when I speak about returning to the mind of a child and engaging with that um, revival mechanism if you will that that ability to tap into a creative source that is much closer to source itself. It has not yet been tainted by uh, too much of our charming world's um, ways of indoctrination and programming and, and setting you know, some societal norms that once unpacked and, and distilled actually just don't really make much much sense you don't really see the reason why unless it is to really just keep us distracted and engaged without the ability to really question our own premise for doing what we do and in that in that vein I remember we were at the, across the table from each other and and talking about the fact that we have all, all of the tools to do pretty much whatever we want right um, and those can be enhanced, but the the strongest and more most powerful tool that each of us is given is within, right? It's it's our mind, it's uh, our our heart, right? Our ability to to connect to one another and and to oneself. And when we push aside the improvement in in heart and mind. Suppose you could open soul into that. Then, then we really just kind of create further dissonance from that original source, and um, we feed that machine with other things that this evolving machine brings into existence. Now, if we're gonna solve for big worldly problems, even on a micro scale, it seems just very rational that you would want to go back and understand where the dissonances lie and how they were created and feed your mind again in a way that perhaps we have uh, not had the time to do being so busy and distracted with other things. And that's that's normalized, that's socially accepted. And you're a little bit on the fringe if you bring such ridiculous hypotheses to the table such as, hey guys, it's really all about the kids. Take the time to sit down, listen, and maybe let them teach you something for a change. I mean, I was discussing it with my son this morning, and he's like, well, you know, mom, if you say that to people, they're gonna think it's crazy. But you're absolutely right because we have this ability to tap into our creative 
in a way that a lot of people don't. And he said in a like, younger, cutesy voice, right? But if I tick that voice and added an old man's voice to it, you would have no idea it came from a child. Okay, getting a little bit closer. So I'm going to try to articulate this nice and slowly, um, working it backwards from the products and services available now, which can be extrapolated, which channels they are going to be offered through or are being offered through. What is our goal by mid or end of August, let's say, right? Um, give or take. And, um, and that includes both some uh, qualitative and, and some quantitative metrics around that. And then how we're going to do it, right? And, uh, and from that standpoint, we go back into the, the benefits for the different stakeholders or the primary stakeholders at bay because we may not be able to satisfy absolutely everyone. Um, and then to what's kind of the, the grander vision for what this is. And uh, then backwards and get into the traditional startup, <laughs> startup pitch of what's the big problem we're trying to solve. And, and there, you know, if we've listened to any, anything, I've said, well, there are many, many problems with a foundational um, root cause that uh, can be unpacked through what we're doing here. Okay? So let's, um, let's start this. Essentially, different revenue streams channels and goals, right? On the social media side, and I'm going to do this with the example of the Rare Books store, right? Um, now, the problems there, just to be very clear, is that uh, people seem to no longer be consuming books. You know, the boomers, the, the older individuals for whom uh, the collections of what feeds their mind were very important to hold and to really protect and care for. Therefore, you needed to have a good book restorer and binder. Well, that, that art, that mindset has largely been lost and uh, transformed over time into this very like fast content type of approach, right? For how people consume things. The silver lining in all of this is that, as we know from the old bindery success story on Instagram that nearly went viral in a day and age where people no longer really seem to pay attention to such things unless they're antiquarians themselves, well, the good news seems to be, and, and also from the people that come into the shop, right, that um, the younger generations actually really do have a fascination and an interest with these, with these crafts, right? So from a monetization of just giving free content that other people are using with the sounds and stuff like that um, is simply just increasing the follower count and, uh, and the numbers of hours watched, right, or content delivered because give, 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 and eventually this begins to monetize commensurate to the value that you've provided. So in this world of digital everything, this seems like a viable place to go. And then we would just have to do that prioritized channels based on some early stage A-B testing to see how much we invest. We're a small business. You don't have very much time or budget for this, right? Across YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, you name it, right? Tribal, whatever. <laughs> what other platforms am I missing here? Um, I'm not really sure who's on Tribal, by the way. Um, now, in terms of channel, we've got on the YouTube, the old bindery. And 
um, the Twitter, the EC, more like direct response type of stuff. TikTok, it's EC. And then Instagram, um, Old Bindery and EC. And then we would just have to figure out the shop setting abilities on, on EC. Now, the goal across these different accounts from a social media perspective will vary based on how these different channels are monetized. So I'm not going to get into it right now. I'll put it in the PowerPoint. Okay. Now, physical books um, and non-BS solutions, which I also refer to as nature and nurture based products and services. Well, that revenue stream is really immediately speaking the book sales right? Though potentially we could add in a stream for uh, the Amni courses, whether it be on the ESG2 Impact Academy or on the Ethos Know Yourself <coughs> Academy, right? Um, and those are really kind of cheap and accessible anyway. Point being, the channel for that is where this direct, um, mar- you know, to customer marketing program or affiliate program becomes a little bit interesting, Okay, and it's very similar to how you would say in consulting, train the trainer, right? So if people really love the product that small company X has, in this case, EC Rare Books, right? Then they would want to get really familiar with the books, with their their contents. These are rare products that they probably wouldn't be able to own anyway. So coming in and getting familiar would be very interesting to them as they're feeding their mind in this very uh, convivial, very community um, you know, friendly place. And then of course, then the commission goes to the person who actually sold that rare book and product, right? And then we'd have a sales target for that. And I'll put the number, I think, in the presentation. Now, now, so how do we actually build towards that? Well, we have to create meaningful connections, curations, and collections. And of that, I'll speak in, you know, on the next slide, which I'm going in reverse. So it's really about place, um, identity, culture. Essentially, what is your philosophy of life? And how can you better integrate work and life so that you're, you're, you're really staying true to your path and not adding to the cognitive dissonance around you um, and within you because of so much noise pollution, right? And... We're offering these, these programs, these workshops, this educational training content, which is when you come into these rare books, that's what people do. You know, They come in, get a, an education session for two hours. At the end of the day, not much has converted in sales. Well, was there value to that? Yes, certainly. Was there mutual value created? Possibly. But then how do you really build upon that to make sure you have sustainable revenue streams, right? Knowing that people absolutely love being there. So you offer these programs, right? You can, you can help us curate, sell these products, and generate a, a return for yourself as you do that as a copywriter, right, and, and putting this stuff out there um, based on the, you know, agreed upon percentage of, or whatever that looks like. Now, now, in terms of engaging the right people, because it still becomes a bit of a culture, right? What's the culture of this community that we're creating? Right? That's where the Z spy with my little eye thing, which is a play on do you know yourself, becomes really helpful because we must actually know who the people are. So we work through this art of creating their ethos by essentially giving them the academy contents and fun engaging workshops for free, 
right? But at the end of the day, they are able to produce their ethos. They are able to explain their philosophy. And that is a critical need, right, in this world of dissonance where we want to reestablish coherence, right, in terms of um, them being able to select books and other nature-nurture-based products that they really believe in and would like to take forward. And, and that's a matter of also finding the kind of people who have this aperture. But ultimately, how we do it is by asking, who are you? All right. So bear with me. Bear with me. Now, we are going to have, on this other page, I'm going to start with, with X, which is the, the product, right? And in the products, we have the books, which are, you know, essentially a number of dollars per item or pounds, British pounds or euros if we sell in Madrid. Then we have the courses, the do-it-yourself kind of courses, which these, you know, could monetize either through the subscription and advertising model if it's YouTube shorts, or it could be a dollar per course if we're using a Thinkific or another platform of our choice. Um, and then, of course, there's the coaching and training services, so dollar per hour if somebody wants um, some help in narrowing down their, their business product strategy to fit more with a nature-nurture-based approach, which is the whole ESG to impact saying, what am I really doing? Or workshops around this, around innovation. That's another stream that goes more to like the, the traditional advisory services that Amni would offer. Now, in terms of the specialty, what's the specialty? Well, we start the specialties we have. You know, rare books, rare stories, things worth preserving as they were, right? And these specifically around the children's illustrated, right? But then we also have things like the original arts. And by what, or what I mean by original is, you know, less tech, much tech as possible. I know the tech, it's hard, but more thought given to what it is you're doing and appreciating the time invested in that creative process. In that category, we have things like music and paintings and all sorts of um, creations that people make. And then we also have natural local handcrafted products, you know, such as the, so the soaps that, uh, that Sheila makes at uh, Nurture with Nature, right? Made by people rendered, you know, ra rather vulnerable as small business operators or freelancers or whatever they are to compete with just very large conglomerates. So then we really have to look at our diversity, inclusion, and equity metrics in terms of who gets supported. I'm not suggesting that white men don't get supported just because they're white men. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, do they need a hand? because this, this world, this capitalism implemented with some poor ethics is rendering our small business community very vulnerable. And as a result, that actually eats away at freedom and democracy. Now, let's go back. Freedom and democracy, by the way, that's one of the things we're solving for. Now, going back to the revenue streams where we had the products and the channels and the companies affiliated to begin with so in products we said books courses i'm going to stick to those for now because the advisory will come on an opportunistic level and who's really interested in working with us now the channels on the book side we have the store right the physical store in gastown and we have the online catalog the courses we also have the online right now but option always to have these run physically Right in the bookstore, for example, uh, for groups of tourists, for parents and kids who want to have a creative writing workshop in terms of finding identity and writing a story together that eventually they might publish. And there we have, you know, the companies doing that. We've got 
skill binder as a place where you can actually sit down and, and consult with these books. But we also have the Omni facilitated running of the ethos workshops and how do we better learn from our children to write stories we're telling that they'll love there. Now that we own, that's what we own, right? That's what we want. That's the X, right? That Y own, right? Why are the people <laughs> selling for their why, their philosophy? So that's kind of the immediate next group of people, which are kind of like the employees, but they're not employees, they're contractors, they're freelancers, because at the end of the day, it's about selling what they believe. And that's what we need to do, right? To increase the amount of economic benefit to the small, medium-sized companies that are doing the best they can and all the right things, but getting dinged for that from a capitalism perspective. Well, in that standpoint, you know, the products are these, your creations, you know, who are you? These are my creations. I sell the things I believe in and my channels, like in this case, so it's that why owns, so it's your creations, your channels. The companies, right, beyond the initial EC Rare Books and Amni, really looking at the creative side of scaling this business in a way that meets where we are, well, well, Amni being my creative era, right, as a almost contractor on, on commission-based employee in the long term. Well, now we have, you know, other potential companies that I agree with this philosophy and I want to take these products forward. Um, and then we have the Z. The Z actually becomes, you know, the one step from that. Who is the customer of your creations? Well, now the product of that customer are their creations and their channels are their channels. So you can really start to explore um, the synergies of network effects from this kind of model, right? And the companies that then become affiliated, this could potentially go into a multi-level marketing, right? And that's actually what this becomes. But it has to be really authentic and represent the spirit and the nature of what the company began by doing, which is why it needs a full story behind it and potentially even a reality show. Now, um, here's an example <laughs> experience, right, that you would have as at some of these clandestine top secret meetings. Come and select your book or bundle, right? Then you can do some research and development on it. You can use your, you can whatever you want. You can have a conversation about these books and where they come from. But ultimately, you monetize on the commission, right? So whoever really takes an interest, right, or sells it first at the high price takes a percentage of that commission. But we also want to look at sales on conversion. So if you um, created an ad and copyrighted it in a way that then generated, you know, 500 more subscriptions for our channel. Right? And we need to figure out how to do that. It's doable. Then you'd want to be able to reward people on that in some way that is affordable and, and beneficial to all. But ultimately, this does um, create those synergies of I help you, you help me, and we're creating an entire community of, of people who may not yet themselves be influencers, but really do need to monetize their art in the current way. Now, due diligence for screening these people is really, really important because you don't want just kind of opportunistic folks who are like, I, uh, I, I just know tons of rich people so I can sell tons of books, but it's not really about what I believe or what I want to do, which actually erodes the total brand. And I'm very um, vehemently against the erosion of the brand. <sighs> takes, takes psychology to, to figure that one. But we have to screen on ethos. We absolutely, like, you know, the who are you question is so important 
and we need that document and we need that in our database, right? Because we're not going to go through their entire profile. What have you done for me lately? What are your skills? It's all based on results, right? So what are you going to screen on? <laughs> ethos. So the benefits now to X, which is us, the product we own, is, you know, you get to select your ideal character, brand, how it is, how it's made, who made it, who owned it, right? So whatever product you're pushing forward, that's the benefit to that product because you have selected it and therefore increasing sales for something that you ultimately believe in. So ultimately, that, that benefit is really just dollar revenue generation, which is the immediate priority for the small business nature nurture-based solutions. Now, for the you, which is the person we want to help, with the artists and the freelancers, and here, you know, are we married to um, an age? What's the Y generation? Anyway, so the, the real benefit here is that you get to really steep into your own philosophy of life, integrated with the work that you do, your creative work, right? And really use that as an opportunity to gain further exposure for that, for that creative work. Right? It creates these affiliations with other like-minded businesses, partner, cross-promotional revenue opportunities, and really a sense of belonging. Now for them, or Z, <laughs> the customer Z, who I spy with my little eye, Z, a Z spy. I spy on my customer. Hmm. That's an interesting way of looking at it. But you know, why would you do that? Because who would you want to know? And how would you know you want to know them? Right? So that's where defining that Z character, who is it for you, that you look up to, that you want to be connected with, that you want to offer a product or a service that will be good for them and they actually want. Well, you need to know them very well for that. So as long as you're authentic about it and letting people know you're doing that, there's absolutely nothing wrong from an ESG or moralistic perspective because you are actually in it with a mindset to help the other. All right. Now, is there more to this? Ah, uh, yes. So, you know, really raising this up to the very top before we get to, you know, root zero is do you believe in what you sell? Do you need to know yourself to sell what you believe in? There are four ways of really looking at what you sell. Products and services, right? Um, information, right? Research, information your beliefs, <laughs> your beliefs and values and stuff like that, or entertainment. So here's my proposed way. We are building the largest freelance creative marketing agency, but it's new, it's different. It's very anti-Bernesian because we are selling truth, right? And it's really, we're combining product and entertainment in the marketing style to help people sell research and information and beliefs ultimately, like that's what, that's the how, or that's, the how is the product and the entertainment, right? But what it is really is information and helping people arrive at their own beliefs through sharing some of our beliefs and that dialogue. And you know, it is at the end of the day, multi-level marketing, which has a huge upside potential if done well, and it also has some stigma to it, and that's normal, right? 
any company that has this desire to become very large and big, there's going to be some stigma. You know, look at the whole Tesla to the Twitter to X thing. Oh my goodness, he's trying to take over the world. Well, if he really believes that he's doing the world a service by doing that, and I listen to it, and I kind of, I, I believe it. You know, I could be wrong, but I do. Well, I, I, ex I expect that there's going to be some stigma and people saying, ma, you know, who does he think he, think he is? But um, again, as long as you sell what you believe in and you can coherently articulate that, there should be no reason why you can't get an edge in today's market, especially with some, some help from um, good friends and partners. Now, the only other thing to put on top of this is if we do this and the bigger it gets, what problems does it solve? Well, we talked about democracy. I'm going to throw in here, it, it solves the problem of cognitive dissonance. And the problem of cognitive dissonance is one I've explained at length in my academy. Right? And it's the one biggest problem that we have in this convergence of swans between the geopolitical situation and events and rhetoric from different sides of today to an increasingly alarming state of environmental degradation that has crossed over tipping points that we never thought we would cross so early at this stage of history and can be traced back to human activity from an empirical data standpoint, okay? I don't care who says what. <laughs> I've dedicated a lot of time to actually studying the matter and the data really does show this. And we're actually really kind of past the point of no return on that one. <laughs> and, 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 just to make this all that much more exciting, the threat of exponentially rising artificial intelligence over human intelligence, where the only competitive advantage of a human really becomes emotional intelligence and ethical behavior, right? Which actually comes from the spiritual element of how you connect to the work you do, who you are, and others. And if we solve for this, we elevate the state of aggregate consciousness, which is the only possible solution to maintain some level of growing human intelligence that have a, has a fighting chance of being a good collaborator and parent to AI. So what we're hiring is copywriters. How many copywriters? As many as there want to be. As long as they know, you know, we can track down who they are, what they've committed to selling and making sure there's no like territorial riffraff happening. But still, biggest recruiting agency in the world, right? Z spy with my little eye, you. And I do that authentically because I know me. And uh, MLM. Now we just need to know, you know, how to optimize this from a technology standpoint while remaining as ethical as, uh, as you can.